Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have two segments to get you ready for National Novel Writing Month in November. We'll talk about how to create great characters, and even if you're not a novelist, these tips will help you read with more insight, and then we'll talk about how to format a character's thoughts, should you use italics, quotation marks, or something else. This piece is by Jessica Kim from Readsy.com. Let's say you finally got some time to yourself, and now you're choosing between two books for your next read. The first recounts a throne succession with a standard murder mystery plot. The second stars a young, hesitant prince who struggles to know whether he should avenge the murder of his father by killing his uncle. Which would intrigue you more? Both share a core concept, but Hamlet also gives you a protagonist who's juggling a complex set of practical and psychological conflicts. Someone whose personal journey has grabbed people for centuries. If you get your character creation right, your character too can help your book become a genre classic. Here are six steps to show you how to achieve a fully realized, memorable character. First, to build a character who's worth telling a story about, you need to first establish two things your character's current goal, and the motivations to reach that goal. A character's goal is simple. It's the specific and actionable thing that a character wants over the course of your story. That's what will drive your plot forward as your character takes actions to fulfill their goal. A character's motivations, meanwhile, infuse the goal with meaning— If you are struggling to nail down these motivations, ask yourself the W questions that'll help spell out your in order to. Why, for instance, does your character want what they want? What are they willing to risk to achieve their goal? Where will they end up if they can't achieve their goal? When you put it all together, this is what it looks like in action. Luke Skywalker's goal is to defeat the Galactic Empire— in order to end the galactic civil war and restore democracy to the world. Frodo's goal is to bring the One Ring to Mount Doom, in order to defeat Sauron and ensure the safety of his beloved Shire. And Hamlet's goal is to kill his uncle, in order to avenge his murdered father and show himself capable of decisive action. Next, don't forget the character's external and internal conflict. If Frodo strolled to Mount Doom, dropped the ring in the lava, and made it back in time for second breakfast, you probably wouldn't have much of a story to read, right? So to avoid this fate, you need obstacles that will make the character unforgettable as they battle them. You'll find two broad types of conflict in all stories, the first of which is internal conflict— or character versus self. All characters undergo internal turmoil that makes them question themselves and emerge changed in some way. The second is external conflict. It's generally accepted that there are five primary types of external conflict in fiction, including character, for example, Walt versus Hank in Breaking Bad. Society, for example, Winston Smith versus Big Brother in 1984. 
technology, for example, humanity versus robots in iRobot, nature, for example, the crew versus the sea in In the Heart of the Sea, and supernatural, for example, Peter Venkman versus ghosts in Ghostbusters. Just remember, every worthy protagonist needs a worthy antagonist, and it's up to you to create the yang to your character's ying to show readers exactly who your protagonist is when the odds are against them. Next, determine their strengths and flaws. So now you've got your character's external and internal conflicts in place. What strengths will your character use to conquer the conflicts? And what flaws will hold your character back the whole time? When you think about these strengths and flaws, steer clear of the extremes. You don't want to make your character so great that all the obstacles they face come across as easy to overcome. And at the same time, you don't want them to be so full of flaws that their eventual success seems unbelievable. The best characters remind us of ourselves, multidimensional human beings with plenty of strengths and weaknesses. Your character's strengths will get readers to root for them, admire them, maybe even swoon over them. But your character's flaws are equally important. Say, their stubbornness, their reckless streak, their penchant for selfishness. All of these things will work together to make your protagonist well-rounded and relatable. Next, create a backstory for your character. No person and no character are a mere snapshot of a moment in time. Just as you are informed by your circumstances and past, your character's backstory should make them the person that we meet on the page, too. When creating your character's backstory, ask yourself, where did they grow up? What kind of childhood did they have? What's their earliest memory? What sort of education did they experience? How close are or were they to their family? What kind of family environment did they have during their formative years? Just remember, not every single detail of the backstory you create for your protagonist needs to appear in your story. You don't want to overwhelm your readers with unnecessary details. That'll just bore them and encourage them to drop your book entirely. Instead, zero in on the memories that inform what we see in the story. Next, build the character's external elements. Put on your monocle because it's time to visualize your character. Like a cartoonist drawing character sketches, you should form some idea of your character's appearance. Early in your character creation, put a bit of time into outlining your protagonist's physical features, including appearance. How do they look to the world? Does their appearance play a role in the story? And their voice. How do they sound to the world? Do they have an accent? Do they have a voice that matches their appearance? Figuring out your character's external traits doesn't stop at eye color and tenor either. Your gray-eyed baritone has to be different from all the other gray-eyed baritones out there, after all. To do this, make sure to add mannerisms that venture beyond a physical profile. For example, you can reflect on your character's posture. How do they sit and stand? Their communication style. How do they interact with others? Are they a nervous gesturer? Do they make eye contact or attempt to avoid it? And ticks. What do they do when they're scared, exhausted, angry? 
To nail down all the things we just talked about, try using a ready-made character profile template that you can find at readsy.com, and I'll put a link in the show notes. It'll help you figure out every layer of your character from the external, such as appearance, voice, and posture, to the internal, such as their relationships, history, and how they want to be remembered after they die. And finally, do extra research to make the character believable. Say you want to craft characters so lifelike that they seem more flesh than sentence, capable of walking right off the page and moving around without the puppet strings of your plot tugging on their limbs. Then you'll want to go beyond the limits of your mind and do some character research. Let's say, for instance, you're scripting a working-class British character's dialogue for a story set in the 1950s. You might want to research things like, which working-class district would they come from? What kind of slang would they use? And how did people greet each other in the 1950s? It's especially important to get your research right if you're writing a character whose identity or experiences differ substantially from your own. For instance, someone from a different ethnic background, or someone with a mental illness you've only read about. It might even be worthwhile to reach out to a sensitivity reader in these cases to make sure you're creating as authentic a character as possible. And now, congratulations! By the end of these six steps, you should have a full-blown character on your hands, one with goals to motivate them on the inside and a physical appearance that sets them apart on the outside. Now it's just up to you to put it all on the page and build a story that's as memorable as your character. That segment was written by Jessica Kim and is based on Reed Z's How to Write Characters You Won't Forget post. It's included here with permission. Jessica is a contributing writer for Readsy, a digital marketplace that connects authors with the best professionals in publishing. Join Readsy to work on exciting book projects today. Next, I wrote about how to portray a character's thoughts on the page. It's a question that comes up a lot, and the hardest part about deciding how to format this internal dialogue is that there's no definitive answer. It's a style choice, and you'll find different credible websites that make different recommendations, sometimes in very strong tones. One site will clearly state that you should use quotation marks, and the next will adamantly state that you should never use quotation marks. One will recommend italics, and another will recommend against italics. It's enough to make you have some internal dialogue of your own. I'll make a few points, but the best advice is to take it all with a grain of salt. And if you have an editor or agent, see what they prefer. First, when I look through the published books that I've read recently, I regularly see italics being used for characters' thoughts, so it's certainly done, and it is certainly a common style. Next, after reading a bunch of sources and their recommendations, I come down on the side that says you shouldn't use quotation marks for a character's thoughts. Quotation marks denote speech, and using them for internal dialogue could confuse your readers. Finally, in many cases, you don't need any special formatting. For example, when you're writing in the third person, the narrator can tell the reader what characters are thinking. Here's an example of something like that. Squiggly reminded himself that he had wanted to go on this nightmare of a fishing trip. Aardvark could have told me we'd have to climb boulders, Squiggly thought, wondering whether Aardvark had withheld that information on purpose. The same style can work in first person, too. Hurry up, I thought, shifting my bag and wishing the train would come. And that was written without any quotation marks or italics. 
Some writers would italicize hurry up in that sentence, and although it would be fine, it's also not necessary. Many of the books on my e-reader would have that italicized, but it's simply your choice, or your editor's choice. One pet peeve from the redundancy department, though, is to not write such things as she thought to herself. You don't need the to-herself part, since the default state is that you're the only one who can hear your thoughts. If you're writing about telepathy in science fiction, you may have more leeway, but most writers should never have characters thinking to themselves. I'll also note that I did check the Chicago Manual of Style to see if it had an entry on this topic, since it's the style guide used by many book editors. I couldn't find an entry, but in the website's Shop Talk section, Carol Soller, an editor for Chicago and the author of the book The Subversive Copy Editor, noted that she is, quote, constantly removing italics used for internal dialogue, unquote. So as tempting as it is to use italics, and as common as it is, remember, not everybody loves them. The best advice is to choose your style with input from your editor, if you have one, and then use that style consistently. Finally, I have a familect story about bad moods. Hi, Mignon. It's Tommy Black from Concord, North Carolina, calling you with a familect story. So my stepson, when he was very little, he would tell his dad when he was being grouchy, he would call him scratchy instead of grouchy. So um, in our family, it's become a thing when somebody's upset or they're not feeling well and they're just in a bad mood. We say you are scratchy. Ooh, daddy is so scratchy today. Hope you enjoy. Have a good night. Thank you. Scratchy is a great word for that. If you want to call and leave a voicemail with a story of a word or phrase your family and only your family uses, the number is 83-321-4-GIRL. And all stories are welcome, but since we're heading into National Novel Writing Month, I would especially love to hear your story if you have a family-like word that comes from something in a novel or another kind of story, like a movie. And that number is also in my email newsletter, which you can sign up for at quickanddirtytips.com. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sims, and that's all. Thanks for listening. Oh,